Hello, and welcome to My Story Weaves Our Story. This is a virtual diversity panel that was created to represent and reflect the unique experiences, perspectives, and viewpoints of the people and the communities we serve. This ser series will serve as a space for people from different populations within our community to make their voices heard and to give others the opportunity to learn from their perspectives. So we are your hosts. I am Ryan. And joining me is I'm Tina. Happy to join y'all. And we are super excited to be here this evening and do this panel. So we are focusing on the Hispanic community tonight. And we are so excited to have all of our various panelists join. And I know it's super fun for us to introduce ourselves, but um, we definitely want to go around, have you all introduce yourselves. And I am going to put you on the spot because you have to give one interesting fact. So now it's always the most fun part. Who's going to go first? And Bibiana, I am looking at you. So if you wouldn't mind to introduce yourself and tell me one interesting fact. Yeah, of course. And thank you, everyone, uh, for joining all of us here together um, this beautiful afternoon. My name is Bibiana Vasquez. And the interesting fact about me is that I am double jointed in all of my body. Wow, that makes me hurt to think about a little bit because I'm not flexible at all. <laughs> That's really interesting. That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here tonight and joining us. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to hearing your story. Yeah, thank you. All right, moving right along. Julissa, I'm looking at you. Hi, I'm Julissa McDonald. I interesting fact. I don't know that I have one. Interesting. I work hard, play hard. <laughs> That's it. Julissa likes to travel. Is there an interesting place that you've traveled to? Uh, no. I mean, I just go where the beach is. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I love it all. So Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Mexico. If there's a beach, I'm there and I love them all. So I can't really pick a favorite one. Although I am Dominican, so I have to say that the Dominican Republic is the most beautiful place for me. Julissa, I like how you said you're not interesting and then you proceeded to like list all these awesome beaches. You're like, yeah, you know, I've been there casually. Like you're so interesting that the places you've been are they're pretty interesting to me. So that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to hear from you as well. Um, very cool. All right, O'Malley, I'm looking at you. If you wouldn't mind to introduce yourself and uh, tell us one interesting fact about you. Uh, my name is O'Malley McClanahan. I am not Irish at all. People think that I'm Irish every, you know, every time they read my name, but I'm like... <laughs> Uh, not even one drop of Irish in my blood. Um, I am from Caracas, Venezuela, and I guess maybe I had a hiding talent. Nobody knows that I play cuatro. That is like an instrument. It's like a guitar, but with four. Um, what do you call that? Four. Um, oh my God, I can't remember the name. And nobody knows because I've never, you know, shared that with anybody. I don't even think my friends that are looking at me right now know that. <laughs> So, <laughs> right, Julissa, I'm ready. And Lisette? <laughs> nope, no idea. Yeah. yeah, so what that I can say. Well, Molly, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And thanks for uh, waiting till tonight for this groundbreaking uh, revelation to drop about your interesting fact. <laughs> so, moving right along, Maddie, I'm looking at you if you wouldn't mind to introduce yourself and one interesting fact about you. I'm Maddie Rodriguez, and I always have to be extra. Can you hear me now? A little bit. Are you able bit. to hear me? Okay. All right. So I'm Maddie Rodriguez, um, and I always have to be extra. So I, do, I have two interesting facts. Um, my first interesting fact is that I crochet. 
Um, a lot of people don't know that, but I know how to crochet. I can make blankets, purses, anything. Um, and my second interesting fact is that my DNA test says that I'm 11% Irish. So go figure. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're, you're kind of helping O'Malley out there. You're, you're filling in that gap. That's awesome. <laughs> also, Maddie, that's, I'll tell you, it's not fair that you have two interesting facts. You guys are also talented. I, I'm Julie. I'm in the same boat. I don't have many interesting facts. So you guys are taking all the talent. I like it. So, all right, Miss Lissette, looking at you. Gonzalez and one, I, I have several things, but the main thing that I'm really into right now is that I am an avid foodie. So I like to cook and make sure that every taste bud in your mouth says yum, but I'm into going to different restaurants and trying new things. Uh, I'll try everything once, at least once. But that's, that's what I'm into right now, just trying all different types of new foods from all over the place. All right, I gotta put you on the spot then really quick. What's your, so recently, what's your favorite food that you've tried? I actually went to a restaurant here in Winchester that a lot of people might not know about. It's called the Medita Mediterranean Faux Bistro. And everything we tasted there from the salmon, from the chicken, just everything was awesome. Like, I didn't know that my mouth could say yum so many times. So... That's the recent, the most recent that I, that I did. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And hey, thank you for being here tonight. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So, speed. If you want mind to introduce yourself, tell us one interesting fact about yourself, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Um, my name is Denise Navas. I'm from Ecuador, and I. Came to United States like almost five years ago. Very cool. Well, thank you, Denise, for being here. Thanks for joining us. Well, Tina, you know I wasn't going to let you escape if you just want to say hello and one interesting fact about you that maybe we haven't heard. Um. Well, so I'm Tina, everyone. I uh, one interesting fact about me is I'm a breast cancer survivor, but also um, some people may or may not know that I like to work on cars, small engines, and I really, um, I like to fix things. So that's kind of an interesting fact, fact about me. I can change a tire. If we are stuck on a road somewhere, I always am a um, kind of in troubleshooting mode and I'm like, ah, I can fix it. And so that's, that's kind of one interesting fact or two interesting facts about me. And I'm so excited to join you guys, gals, tonight. Awesome, Tina. Well, thank you for being here, and thanks for being alongside me. And so my, my name is Ryan, and I work for the Northwestern Prevention Collaborative. Um, one interesting fact about me, I hate doing these things, and I had the whole time while you all were answering to think of an interesting fact. And yet, here I am. Uh, so my interesting fact I'm going to go with is that my favorite hobby Okay, to sound cool, I should say is beating people up, but it's more me getting beat up. Um, so I've been um, in and out of mixed martial arts for about the past 10 years um, and just recently joined um, a really nice gym over here in, in Bridgewater and have been pretty consistent there for the past six months. And the beatings have still continued, so we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you all tonight and hear a little bit about each and every one of you. So. It definitely takes a certain amount of bravery to respond to a request like this and like, yeah, hey, I'll get online and tell my story in front of a group of strangers that'll be recorded and put online. Great. So I, I know I really appreciate it. Um, and Tina, if it's OK with you, I think I'll go ahead and just kind of kick things off. We can we can get into kind of the, the meat of why we're here. And Aside from the wonderful, interesting facts that you all just gave, I would like to go to each and every one of you and just, I know it's a, a pretty big task to fit your life story in about four or five minutes, um, but you know, hit the highlights, right? But but seriously, if, if you all could give just a, a brief biography, tell us a little bit about where you're from, what it's been like living here, you know, maybe some of the 
the Thank struggles or, or, you know, triumphs that, that you've ran into. Um, and so, Bibiana, I'm going to start with you, if you wouldn't mind, to give just a, a little bit of a backstory and, and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, of course. Love to. Uh, so I'm originally from La Junta, Colorado. Um, I come from a family of Mexican migrant farmers that traveled within the States over 28 years ago or so, which eventually brought us here to Winchester, Virginia for the harvesting of apples in 2003. We stayed here ever since. As a result, I've become a graduate of John Hanley High School, class of 2013. I am a first-generation college graduate. Um, so I have a bachelor's in criminal justice and political science from Mary Baldwin University and a master's in public policy with an emphasis on terrorism, transnational crime and corruption from George Mason University. Currently, I'm the director of Counseling for Opportunity Scholars and the vice chair for the Winchester Department of Social Services Advisory Board. My background, mostly working with the community, has been with youth from low socioeconomic backgrounds with histories of mental health and delinquency within the northern Shenandoah Valley. So I have I've worked with a number of nonprofits within the area that has led me to where I'm working at now. Okay, Bibiana, you definitely just volunteered yourself to go first for like everything now, you know, because that was, <laughs> was spot on, huh? <laughs> I try to keep it like within the four to five minute time mark. So sorry <laughs> if I spoke really, really fast. It's kind of like a thing of mine. <laughs> was awesome and you were able to squeeze it all in i think that was a minute oh <laughs> that's the first preparing that that kind of elevator pitch i like that i like that that was great well and hey that's that's really interesting and um it's it's interesting to kind of hear about you know where where you've ended up and, and kind of the role that you're in now so Thank you so much for sharing, and I'll, I'll have to talk to you a little bit after this. I just recently got accepted into GMU, uh, the okay. graduate program, so I'll have to pick your brain a little bit. So, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But, Julissa, I'm looking at you now that we kind of have a, an example to follow. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if you wouldn't mind to tell us a little bit um, about yourself, give a, a brief biography and, and tell us a little bit about, yeah, where where you're from and and where you're at now and how you got there. I'm from the Dominican Republic. I was born and raised there. I came to the United States, Jersey to be exact, um, when I was 15 with my dad and my sister. Um, then I got married and we ended up in Virginia in Ashburn first and then we ended up here in Winchester. I have four girls. Um, what else? My story, pretty much I had to leave my mom behind um, because of the process of the migration. And again, I didn't even know at that time that my parents were not married, but you know, you, you get to find those things out when things are happening and you have to pick up and leave. Um, and Pretty much, we just lived with my dad. I went to high school in Hackensack, New Jersey. Um, I have an associate's degree. I work for the Infant and Toddler Connection right now. I'm a community interpreter. I'm a medical interpreter. Um, I have my own business for interpreting. I do it all. <laughs> Sometimes it feels that way. Um, that's pretty much that's my story. Julissa, you're so humble, and it's funny because you hit the point at one, like, during your answer, like, oh, well, what else is there? And it's like, oh, yeah, I own my own business, around the world, I'm awesome. Yeah, so that's, that's really cool. That's that's a really awesome story to have, too. So thank you for, for being here and sharing that with us. All right. O'Malley, if you would like to go next, you are you are next in the hot seat. Um, let me see. I'm Ali McClan, part of Venezuela. Um, I came to the States in 1999. Um, and I got married, I have two beautiful daughters, and uh, I went to school, I went to college in Venezuela for hotels and tourism, hospitality basically, and I never worked with that ever again. I did it there, but 
came here and I started working as a medical interpreter. So I worked for the hospital as a medical interpreter. I live in Winchester, Virginia also, and I work for the Infant and Toddler Connection. I have worked for the school system uh, in Winchester, Virginia, and also for, uh, I used to be one of the teachers for the DUI. <laughs> I know people is like, wow, you did that? So I did that and actually I love it, but, um, and let me see one else, and that's all. That's really cool, and I, I gotta say too, it's really interesting hearing each of your all stories so far and how much like service back like immediately has happened. That's really interesting, you know, just hearing how much you all have served the community and, and continue to do it and, and filling in that need. That's that's really great. So, Maddie, I'm looking at you. It is your turn. So I'm Maddie Rodriguez. Um, I am half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, um, born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but we moved around a lot. So lived in Washington State, um, lived in West Virginia, and then came back to Virginia about, been in Virginia, I guess, off and on for like the past 30, 32 years um, in the Winchester area. Um, my my background, I don't know. I do, I do so much. It, it's I could be here all day long. I know we only have four minutes, but um, basically came into the area, started volunteering for ESL for an ESL program. Um, didn't really go to college until later on in life. I have a master's in human services from Walden University. Um, looking to go into a doctorate program at some point in the next year or so. Um, and just uh, have been working with early intervention, working with adults, um, with ESL programs, um, working in the hospital. I'm a medical social worker as well, so I work in the, in the medical field as well. Um, and I'm currently on city council here in the city of Winchester. So um, I'm campaigning this summer to be able to hold my seat for another four years. So that's been an interesting piece. So I just kind of have had my foot in a lot of different areas, not because that was what I intended. It's just kind of like where I've landed, um, you know, in that service field. So that's it. She's like, yep, that's it. I mean, that was really cool. That's, that's incredible, Maddie. I mean, you do, you do so much. Uh, again, we're the starters of the business of the interpreting business in Winchester 20 plus years ago that I ended up having. So I continue to have some yeah she's done a lot yeah so i was a business owner too at some point with lisette who heard her story but yeah and that business is still in town i believe we opened that business in 2003 um with 50 dollars in the bank we opened that business and that business is still um in the community so so yeah that is pretty cool that is really cool <laughs> and i want to say that you guys i mean the service hearted people that you have that you are is just amazing giving back to the community even um as some people would say transplant like i am from northern virginia but i came to the winchester area uh but the fact that you guys are continually giving and pouring of yourselves is is really it's awesome so i just wanted to say that um but if you wouldn't mind just tell us a little bit about yeah where where you came from where you're at now and how you got there and some highlights in between well um Five years ago, when I came over here, I didn't know any of English. And then I met Maddie. Basically, she taught me the English I know now. And I was taking some ESL classes, and I didn't know what to do. For many times, I asked myself, like, what I'm doing here? I don't deserve to be here. I don't belong to be here. And then I just figured out, like, yeah, it's hard to come to a new place and don't know the language. And then I just graduated from Lord Fairfax Community College and I got a scholarship in Shenandoah University, 20 grants, which is pretty amazing. I mean, five years ago, I never expect something like that. So that's my story. I worked so hard. I had to work for a long time. I work in a warehouse weekends and I have a part-time in the school and yeah, like I got in trouble in my work at Macy's because I don't supposed to do homework there, but you know, like with two words, what else can I do? 
and yeah that's pretty much my story and i live with my with my parents now and i hope to in two years got my bachelor degree in environmental science and spanish because my goal is to be a translator and also be an inspiration for the latino community like maddie is i want that someone who just got to this country look at me and say like hey i want to be like this girl like she didn't expect to learn english so fast and she didn't expect she didn't even think about that she could do something and now look at her so that's pretty much my story denise that is so freaking awesome i gotta say i mean that is just really inspiring and to think of you know the challenges that coming from working two jobs and going to school and doing all those things is difficult on its own and then you're trying to combat the difficulties of learning a new language and learning a new culture and i mean i really just can't tip my head off enough to you that's seriously it's incredible and well Lisette, last but of course certainly not least at all Definitely want to hear a little bit more about you. And Maddie's kind of primed us all now. I'm, I'm excited. So if you wouldn't mind to tell us your story. So I was also born in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, and I moved to Winchester in 99. Um, I moved as a single mom a young single mom. And my goal always was to make sure that my daughters became strong, independent women. So I always had to be an example for them um, because sometimes in our culture, you know, there are expectations of us, but I didn't want them to ever have to depend on anyone um, in that sense of it. You know what I'm saying? Not the traditional get married and, and do what you have to do. So um, living through example, I um, was fortunate enough that my background um, is that the good old school, my my work ethic and the way I worked was the best reputa reputation um, in the sense of because I was a young mom, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college and get a degree or anything like that. But I've done amazing things. I've been in board member uh, board members of several things in the area um again a business partner with maddie i consider myself business savvy i consider myself an entrepreneur um, i did a lot of good things with the city of winchester i also participated with the um, in 2011 i think it is when winchester went down to atlanta georgia to win all america city there's a plaque around there somewhere um, so Serving has always been my thing, um, and it will continue to be my thing. I was able to retire two years ago, um, and then I said, I'm going to rearrange my closet, and that never happened. I started to work again, <laughs> because that's what it's about. It's about being out there, helping people, and um, and it is what it is. You guys are so vulnerable, and you just jump right in. I really love that. Um, so I have a question. Um, what do you wish people knew or understood more about the Latinx or Hispanic um, community? What is that? What do you wish that people um, knew more about or could understand um, about uh, the community with um, which you identify? And anyone can go first. I see Maddie's hand up. What I was like, are we going or what <laughs> um be here so what do i wish so being half mexican there's no offense i'm not, when i say this i'm not saying this to offend mexicans but the mentality still is out there of those mexicans that all latinos are mexican and i find that really frustrating that in 2022 we are still thinking that any latino that you see out there is mexican like, I, I just find that, like, um, you know, shame on you for not educating yourself better. But I also feel that, that um, I understand that other piece of it because being born and raised here, 
Um, like I said, I'm half Mexican and half Puerto Rican. My parents came to this country and they basically wanted to live an American life. You know, they learned the language. They, um, we typically lived in predominantly white neighborhoods. Um, and so they, they, they both worked. Um, they both, um, you know, tried to assimilate the best they could to this culture. And so when I was in school, like I went to school here. And so for me, I assumed the only thing that was out there was Mexican and Puerto Rican because that's all I had been exposed to. Right. Um, when I met my husband, who's from El Salvador, he, when he said he was from El Salvador, I said, where is that out of Mexico? Because <laughs> I knew it wasn't in Puerto Rico. Right. But I was like, where is that out of Mexico? And of course, he got offended because there is a rivalry and are between Central Americans and Mexicans who have to travel through Mexico to come into this country because of how they're treated. So, um, so yeah, so I didn't even know of Central America. I must have fallen asleep in geography class or something, missed, missed the whole Central South America piece of it. But if I myself was having th that kind of mentality, then I can understand how others who have not been exposed and been out of their area um or but but it, we're just so diverse right now like right now there's so much diversity there really isn't an excuse there you know to not know that people come from all different parts of the world that people are not you know that we've got people that speak spanish that are from spain that we have people that speak spanish that are from venezuela ecuador mexico like all over the place it's not just everybody's mexican so that's Thank you, thank you. Well said. Really quick, Tina, just just to add to that point, Maddie, and I think I really, really like what you said there. And you know, I just wanted to say that that is basically the premise and the the purpose behind this panel is exactly what you said and exposing that diversity within you know the, those different circles and those different communities. Because just like you said, it's such a, a misconception, such a problem when we look at any community and we're like yeah these guys are all you know fill in the blank right and it just belittles them it, it takes away from the individuality that, that we all have um so bringing that awareness and putting it to the forefront of people's minds so they can see the rich diversity that is within each community it's such a like cool broad range of experiences there too to to gain knowledge from and hear about so Really thought that was a great point, Maddie, and I really appreciate you sharing that. So, sorry, Tina, I will nope. quiet now and turn it back over to you. No, no worries. I was going to say the same thing. I think that there are so many misconceptions, and I'm glad that we have this opportunity to hear um, your experiences. Um, Jaleesa, what do you wish people knew or would better understand about the uh, Hispanic or Latinx community? I I was thinking the same thing as Maddie, but um, also the food is so different everywhere that you're, you know, the different countries and stuff. Um, we all don't eat spicy food. <laughs> I never knew about spicy food until I came here. Um, it's not something that we do. My mom just cooked rice and beans and chicken, but, you know, with the seasonings that, um, that are more for that we use more over there, not spicy. So when they will see me going, <sighs> um, they're like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, no, I don't really eat spicy food. I'm not used to it. So um, that's one of the things that I think, you know, if people, yeah, we don't always spicy food. Um, other than that, uh, I'm not sure I think that's it for me. I, I think that's interesting that you say that because I, I actually have had people say, oh, yeah, you know, spicy is good. People, you know, people that are Spanish like spicy food or they'll order something on the menu and say, oh, it's probably spicy, but it's not as spicy as, you know, you would like it. And so I think that is definitely a misconception. Um, Ali, how about you? What's your lived experiences and what do you wish people knew or understood more about the Latinx um, or uh, Hispanic community. Me? Except for me, right? It's my turn. <laughs> it's your turn. 
I, guys, I just want to jump in here. You don't have to be politically correct in your answers. This is a platform that you guys um, are, are welcome to share in any capacity that you'd like. Um, and I know that there are misconceptions that um, our communities have about all oh, yeah. ethnicities. So don't hold back. If you feel like you want to, there are some things that you've experienced in the community and you're like, ah, I just wish people would better understand, you know, that that's not true. Um, so you can share some of that. Don't hold back. Um, well, like Maddie say and Julissa, the culture, we're all different. We're all, none, none of us are the same. Not because we're for South America, Central America. We, we're super different. Um, the Spanish is a Spanish period. It's not like, you know, people say, oh, so it's a different kind of Spanish. It's, no, it's the same language. We always have different slams and different ways to say things. Well, in the end, we always understand what the people try to say. And if you don't, you ask, obviously. And some bad words are good words for me and vice versa. So I don't want to give an example because you don't need to learn this. But, And I think that measuring the racial identity too, um, in the color, I like I'm white. So people, the longer I don't open my mouth because I'm white, they think that I'm from here. And People, again, it's, it's like they're just, it's an ethnicity identification from Spanish or, or, or look uh, brown or like Mexicans, let me say. But we're not, we're, we have black people, we have white people, we have white people with blue eyes. So, so it's a mix of just, just like here. So again, it's just like the misconception of, you know, when I remember, this is an example that I always give. My daughter used to play soccer. Uh, in high school, and I always scream to her in Spanish, corre, corre, que voy, por favor, corre, quítale la pelota. And every person in the back turn around to see where was this Mexican lady screaming, and they don't find anybody because it was me. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, but uh, that happens, and and I think that people need to, I, and again, it's, it's a cultural thing. People need to understand that we are just different. And, and it's a big thing because again, I don't, I love spicy food, love spicy food because it's something that I learned here from my friends from Mexico, from my friends from, from Peru, that they, they, you know, so it's a misconception of they all the same and we are not all the same, we're very different. So, and that's it. Thank you, Ma thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing. Bibiana, what are your lived experiences and what do you wish people would know or better understand? Yeah, what, what I would like the community to know and understand is that we have such a generational shift where we are constantly being challenged between two identities or more. And then with each set of identities comes with its own, each set of expectations, right? So, for example, when it comes to helping families and working with community partners, we have to constantly pivot to stay true to our values, our roots, you know, our heritage, but also to remain on a platform of empathetic understanding, as well as meeting societal expectation as it is here in American culture within the workplace. So, you know, with each identity, we're just constantly changing to say, okay, so what is the appropriate or what is the right way for me to assimilate to make sure that I still feel like I belong with one side of the community versus the other side of the community. So you're constantly having to change those identities. Um, and so just being mindful of that, understanding that uh, our knowledge base is based off of, from what everyone has saying is where we have come from, right? And so just being mindful of that, not everyone has the same lived experiences. So at the same result, um, not everyone has the same approach of how to resolve or work within uh, the community with, the, with, with between each other, right? Well said. Well said. Thank you for that um, for that feedback and from that perspective. So we're um, thinking about the, the Hispanic or Latinx community as a whole. And what do you wish people knew or understood about this community? Maybe some common misconceptions you've heard that you're like, hey, that's, that's not true or... Uh, and it can be a, a two-way street. You know, maybe there's some things that you've learned and, and think, hey, that's that's also not maybe as accurate. Um. Well, sometimes Americans think that we should know a good English. And I think, hmm, things first, how to put this. 
I think that sometimes the Latino community is so hard with themselves. And they say like, yeah, you don't know enough English. And sometimes they just don't want to do things because they don't feel comfortable with their English at all. Or sometimes they don't trust in themselves. So what I can say, like, there is a misconception even for me. When I come over here, I thought like my English wasn't enough and I just could not get a better job or a better opportunity or new opportunities. So sometimes we are hard with ourselves and sometimes we make the Americans feel in that power too. Like they, I heard a lot in my work, like, yeah, if, because you don't know English or because you don't have the perfect English, which doesn't exist. Even Americans have some problems with that. They think that they are not enough. So basically I think that that's a big mistake. I mean, that's not true at all. We start with something and it's okay. We, everyone has to take baby steps, but at the end of the day, we have a great view when we get right there on the, you know, from the claim. That was a great answer, Denise. Your lived experiences, uh, what do you wish people would know or better understand? Let's say it's your turn, too. Sorry. I didn't want to mispronounce your name. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, so I'm, I, I feel like I'm in a different level now when I look at the community, um, when I look at the children the millennials, the new groups that are coming in. Um, like, I don't know, many of you know that Maddie and I are cousins. And even though we're cousins, the fact that, you know, she's half Mexican and half Puerto Rican, my parents are completely Puerto Rican, our lives were different in so many things, but similar. So, you know, like I grew up thinking tortillo was part of the Puerto Rican culture until I realized when I moved to Winchester that I was like, oh, wait, that's Mexican. You know what I'm saying? So even I had misconceptions, too, because it was part of what we were used to growing up to. And listening to Vicente Fernandez, which is also Mexican music in a Puerto Rican household when I was little growing up cleaning the house. And I thought that was part of my culture. So uh, even within us, sometimes there's confusion. Um, my goal with the community, with not even I'm not even going to say community because I'm, I'm starting it with my grandchildren is the fact that I want them to acknowledge their voice, always remember where they came from as far as their family. I'll use an example. I was talking to one uh, and she was talking about how, what they call her Ariella. And I'm like, no, your name is Ariella. You have to make sure that they know your name as it is, your government name as it was given to you. You know what I'm saying? Not to change, to fit into a... <laughs> Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's not Ariela. It's, uh, so, you know, things like that. I'm very proud of the generations that are coming up to because part of how we'll see growth in Winchester is listening to the youth that are trying to make a difference in the community um, because they see things that um, a, a lot different and they're breaking generational curses or traditions where they're speaking up. And I love the speaking up part because a lot of us, you know, we grew up with parents who never taught, taught us anything as far as life skills that we needed to know. So life was a little easier. You know, it's basically you went through it and then we're like, you never told me about this. Well, no one ever told me about that. So my thing is more about educating my grandchildren so that they have a voice, that they express their voice um, and they're heard because they are our future. Um, and when it comes to receiving the respect that they deserve and not forgetting about their culture, like, um, a proud Mexican, I'm a proud Puerto Rican, I'm a proud Salvadorian. All my grandbabies are mixed with something. So I want them to embrace their backgrounds, to know it. Um, they're all bilingual. Um, 
and that's that's important to me um because it'll also help in how we get through and the impacts that Latinos make because they can't forget where you came from. And I agree with you. The shift is really with our young people and carrying on those generational stories, those cultures and those rich, rich experiences um, that you have. Um, we've, we're almost done. Wow. I feel like we've, we've um, spent some great time uh, really diving into this. Um, we've got a couple more questions and it's over to you, Ryan, for the next. Well, and hey, thank you all for those wonderful answers. And one thing I'd like to just say, you know, and Julissa, I thought you used a, a really good example. And it's the, like that kind of stereotype of, of the hot sauce. And it can seem almost like a comical example, but it's those like it's the little the little stereotypes, you know, that you, people are like, oh, they just assume X, Y or Z. And then you can see some of the, the larger ones and those implications that follow. Um, you know, and I thought O'Malley, you did a great point too by including this idea that we always talk about, but yet how often do we, you know, practice what we preach about? Don't don't judge a book by its cover. And if we just take one pause, like one tactical pause, or one moment before we speak or before we make this, uh, even ask this question, you know, to consider some of the things that you all were discussing about. The, the various aspects of diversity and hey am i asking this appropriately or am i assuming too much here and just like you were saying O'Malley, if you don't know something ask so those were some really really great answers you know obviously we've, we've talked about those misconceptions we've had that discussion a little bit and we know that improving relationships between the various groups within a community takes time it's it's not something that's done overnight but how do you think businesses and the community as a whole can build an atmosphere that's more inclusive and welcoming of everyone? So I think that it kind of goes to what I've mentioned before that um, that speaks of the educating yourself. I think as businesses, we need to educate ourselves. We need to be more meaningful than just I'm going to hire a Latino to check the box. You know, um, I think we need to, especially like our nonprofits um, in our community and, um, you know, offices that provide office, just any office, any office. I think it's just a matter of really educating themselves and really learning what um, what the community has to offer. You know, um, it's such a you know, it's not just we've got families that speak Spanish. But we also have families that speak dialects. So it's not just, okay, well, you know, we translated this form into Spanish, so they should be good. You have to understand that, number one, the Latino community, and I say Latino, I do not use Latinx. I don't know where the Latinx came from. Um, I don't feel that it was Latinos that created the Latinx. So I have, I'm a little biased. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not using that Latinx. I'm sorry. Um, so as a Latina, um, I feel that we need to find, um, you know, places need to find that understanding that mutual ground um and really just really embrace this culture we are so diverse there's so much going on but even within the culture you see systematic racism within the latino culture you see privilege within the latino culture you know um omali hit on the you know just her appearance that you know, if she doesn't open her mouth, people think she's from here, you know, but it's the same thing in the Latin culture and the Puerto Rican culture. You get treated differently based on your skin color or the, the how thin or coarse your hair is or, you know, it, it, it really there's racism happening within the cultures itself. It's the same thing in the Mexican culture, you know, Mexican culture, you assume everyone's short and brown what you assume in the Mexican culture, right? But I mean, my father's from a side of the Mexican side that everybody's tall, that everybody's fair-skinned. You know, my grandfather had blue eyes. You know, it's, it's so it's, there's so much, but they, people treat you differently based on that. Um, and so I think that, you know, just the, the community as a whole, just really trying to find opportunities to um, embrace and, and kind of connect um, but at the same time, understanding that for many people, they're very comfortable with staying under their radar, with not 
you know, being out, being seen or being um, wanting to mix because that can um, imply that, you know, now people are looking at my legal status here or it, it's bringing a red flag to me or the community. So I think it's, you know, just really um, just learning, just learning about different cultures, just learning how to engage with people in respectful ways. Um, and really just, you know, looking to those people that are already in the community that have been here, that have that experience. Like I said, I didn't really know um, about other cultures, but it wasn't until I started working, volunteering and exposing myself that I learned about other cultures. And now, you know, somebody speaks and I can say, oh, they sound like they're from Honduras. Oh, they sound like they're from Venezuela or, you know, but that's a learn that was learned. That was from my exposure to other cultures. And so really it's just immersing ourselves in different um, different experiences to open our mind to, to be more receptive to things. Manny, that was, Manny, such, that a, was such a fantastic answer. Um, I, I love everything you said there. And just a few things really quick that, that really stood out about how, how much you point out learning, education, and, and raising that awareness. And I, I couldn't agree more with you. I always feel like kind of that, that bridges that gap between our misconceptions and what reality actually is, you know, it kind of removes the veil from our eyes, so to speak. Um, so I just really think that was a, a top notch answer and a great contribution. I know you have to go um, for uh, safety purposes, everyone. That's a green screen behind Maddie. She's not really driving. That never happened. Uh, <laughs> Betty, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you so much for the work that you do in, in the community. And I know this was just a brief snapshot, but obviously this is my first time meeting you, but I can tell that you've not only made a difference in several of the people's lives who are here, but clearly you make a difference in the community. So thank you for that. Thank you. You guys have a good evening. Now we can talk about her. She's gone. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so kind of getting back on track and we're going to start going back through our, our panelists. And I think we're going to look at Bibiana to get us started. And again, what we're thinking about is kind of improving those relations between the various groups within our community. Obviously that's going to take time, but how can businesses and the community as a whole, you know, foster an environment that feels more inclusive and that feels more welcoming of everyone. Yeah, so I think to better build a year of understanding, we have to first come to realize and remember that not everyone comes with the same level of resources, support, or guidance. Because we, as we have heard in these stories is that we have come from many different backgrounds that either limited our means or even limited our access to these means. Um, so as a result, we had to work you know, two, three times as hard as someone else with the same end goals or the same outcome uh, but not with the the same type of um, effort. And so even more so for, you know, Latino or Hispanic women, where we have often constantly have to be in a state of proving ourselves that we are enough, that we have worked enough or earned enough to be at the same level of respect or recognition as our counterparts. So kind of on both ends, keeping that in mind to avoid compassion fatigue for those of us who work within the communities and work with families and, you know, we have that heart and desire to be an inspiration and help for others who similarly came to came with limited means as we had. And we've been able to, I guess, in one way, say, make it right. So we want to be able to bring the the, the elevator back down to help others. But to remember that uh, so we can avoid that compassion fatigue that, you know, we, we have to advocate for ourselves. We also have to make sure we set those boundaries. Um, so I know a lot of us time time to time we set the we tend to limit our personal time to ensure that we are constantly being made available for others because we want to be that help we we have that heart and desire to be resourceful and be helpful um so being mindful for us you know working with the community but also on the other end to avoid cynicism or resentment from working within the workplaces within businesses within the community um because again going back to the having the identities, right? We have multiple identities that we're trying to satisfy and these expectations that we're trying to satisfy constantly uh, is something that I think we just, to better build the atmosphere of understanding, we have to first come to that level of understanding that not everyone comes with, you know, we all may have the, 
the same ocean to trudge, but we all have different vessels that we're driving to get there. Very well said. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point too. And it's all, you know, like you just said so elegantly, it's so great and fun to talk about, hey, getting getting together, having these conversations, bridging those gaps, but and you're exactly right, until you get to that place that you can be receptive and actually cultivate that change, you know, that's that's what's gonna be most important and kind of the prerequisite for all other change to follow. So Oh yeah, I think with the momentum I think. I think we all end up, you know, I mean, you, we, we see it with immigration reform, right? And we see it with other, you know, political uh, reform efforts is that there's a certain wave of events that lead us to want to make change and recognize that. But then it kind of dies off because then the momentum dies off because then we be, we're again switching identities to preoccupy ourselves with something else. Um, so just to to actually make a difference and to foster that that change. And also, I think it's we need to remember that it's okay to be different. It's absolutely 100% okay to be different. And that's why we it, it, the world is better because we are different, but we need to make sure that we're we're recognizing that, but also appreciating it, appreciating it and also being inclusive when it comes to that. I agree. And I thought, again, I mean, just a really great point. And I really appreciate your insight too. And it's, it's interesting, especially with, with the different partnerships and, you know, various connections that you work with throughout the community. Just a, it's a valuable insight. I really appreciate it. So Jaleesa, we are, we are looking at you. Um, and again, just to, to kind of reiterate, we're talking about how to improve those relations between the various groups within our community and how those, you know, businesses and the community at large, you know, creates that atmosphere that's a little more welcoming and inclusive. I won't be as long. <laughs> I think everybody has said um, pretty much everything that needs to be said on that. But um, I think to make sure that they don't look at us as one size fits all, that we are all different and that do their homework look for guidance there is guidance there's people in the community that could assist um have literature in spanish if you don't have an employee have the access have your menu um have whatever you're selling or whatever your it is that your business is about make sure that it is accessible uh, somehow that they could you know be able to read it in spanish or if not get it to them. So I, again, that's, that's my thought on it as a business. If, you know, just make sure that they understand that we're not all one size fits all, um, but that we all speak Spanish and that there is different dialects. There's different. So that's the reason for the one size, you know, it's not all one size fits all. So that's my take on have the literature then have it in Spanish, do, do your homework, look for guidance. There is resources in the community, people that are willing to help if you're really interested in learning. I agree. And I think, Hey, you know what, that's, that's kind of simple and sweet and, and to the point. And, and it's a great point to, to make, you know, like someone mentioned earlier about checking off a box, you know, you hear very frequently like, yeah, yeah, we promote diversity. What, what I mean, what does that actually mean? And you can claim it all you want, but is it a slogan that you put on your, you know, signage out front, or is it something that you truly live and embody? So that was a great point. Um, O'Malley, looking looking at you here to to expand a little bit on improving those relations within the community and and how businesses and the community creates that atmosphere that's more welcoming and inclusive. I have all kinds of ideas and I'm going to try to be like super fast, but um, I think that to engage the Spanish community with, um, for them to feel welcome, you know, like as, a, as an immigrant, we are the biggest community of immigrants. You know, the Spanish community uh, is, is huge. Um, I think if we, um, build relationships with the Latino community, uh, offer, like Julissa said, programs that should be offered in English and Spanish, um, uh, outreach programs, um, 
in like small towns, usually like cities have a bigger number of immigrants for different countries. So you're always going to find something, but in small towns and rural, rural areas, it is very limited. So maybe incorporate some cultural music, um, a festival that people can be a little bit more open and learn about our um, culture. So, and, and like Julissa was saying, I mean, that is so important when the people feel um, welcome. And I know that with, I mean, like as a, you know, English is my second language, but when you find something in Spanish, the people feel um, welcome. Like they feel, okay, you know, this is important. They, they really are taking care of me right now because they're, you know, I, I can't, you know, they're doing it for me. So that is a good way to engage the community, improving uh, that connection. Obviously, it's something that you want to have. So. That's interesting, too, because it's kind of uh, it's such like a simple or, or quote unquote easy thing that can be done. Right. Like, hey, we have signage. We have little things out front. Have an additional copy in Spanish. It's not a not a hard, hard thing. But by doing something, something that simple, it kind of creates that feeling a little bit. So great point, Amali. Thank you. Lisette, what are you thinking with this this kind of big large question here how do we you know improve those relations between the various groups within our community and then also you know how do our businesses and communities build that atmosphere it's a little more welcoming you are muted right now Lisette, and i can't unmute you unfortunately won't let me are we good you're good okay um so being that I work, I've been working in this community for over 20 years now, um, one of the things that I realized was that I had to learn the community before I could advocate for my community. Um, so, you know, Winchester, it's a lot of the old good old boy mentality and things like that. Um, and or a lot of times they're stuck in their ways. So one of the ways to not get burnt out in trying to advocate for um, the Latino community is to understand what or who or who you are working with um, in order to know how to reach their hearts and their compassion. Um, you know, I was told once when I was advocating, well, they just need to learn English or um, we don't do it for anyone else. And then I was like, okay, so if someone who is hearing impaired comes in, how do you treat them? Oh, well, we have this and this in place. Okay, so you're willing to do it for them, but not for the, the growing Latino community. You know, if we want to work where it's smooth and everyone's in the same page, we have to be able to give that information, educate, or do what we have to and so we can all become one. Um, I remember that, um, a lot of it has always been, I feel that as Latinas, women who are trying to do good for the community, we have to always go above and beyond, um, to prove just the simplest point, you know, um, a lot of times people don't hear what you're saying. They look more at your actions, you know? Um, I remember one time I did, um, chamber of commerce. And we were supposed to send a resume and a picture of who we are before we did the Chamber of Commerce Le Leadership Program. Um, and it was a great program, so I'm not knocking it. But what I'm trying to say is I purposely didn't send my information in because I didn't want to get judged by what they read on the paper or by my picture. I wanted to come in and represent myself of who I was and what was I, what I was trying to do for the community. Um, that being said, I remember there was one session where they were going around, you know, asking where, what uh, college did you graduate from, what if, if you had a master's, whatever. And I remember I ended up saying that I had a doctrine from the school of SHK, and no one questioned it. They accepted it, went on. 
And one of my uh, other colleagues, um, a black Af black woman, she kicked me under the table because she was like, no, you didn't. She knew exactly what I was talking about. This, the doctrine of SHK was the school of hard knocks. So, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, throughout my life, I've been advocating with the skills as I learned along the way, um, which myself, I've had to be open-minded to understand the different cultures within the Latino culture to be able to advocate appropriately. Um, so I have seen many com uh, businesses and communities being more open um, to stuff. And once you feel that it's getting good, things happen and it goes back a little. But I just guess you have to keep on being consistent um, in your advocacy, but at the same time, for you as a person who advocates, you have to create boundaries so that you don't get burnt out so that you can help uh, continue to help the community in a positive way. That was a great answer, Lisette. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's just so important to, to know your audience. And a lot of times, your content can be really great. And I like to think you, you know, you're not changing the content when you're out there advocating or you're having that conversation, but your method of delivery may have to be a little different depending on your audience. And you don't want, just like we were talking about, you know, before we hit the record button, you don't want your method of delivery to be what causes people to, to turn away and close their ears before they ever reach the content. So really, really a great point there. And I'm, I'm glad that you shared that. So, Denise, we are looking at you to, to kind of wrap us up here. You, you walked in, had some tough questions, and then uh, you're going to be wrapping us up here a little bit. So similar similar thought. You know, again, we're, we're looking at how these relations can improve between our different groups within the community and how those businesses and community members can build that atmosphere, which is welcoming and inclusive of others. Well, I really like what O'Malley say about um, how to make people interested in Spanish community, especially because, like, I'm the youngest here, and I'm the like the pretty new one here, and it was really hard to, for me to be part of this community and start over. I mean, without friends, and I didn't know that we had a Latino community here. So at the beginning, my first year were really hard. I didn't have friends for at least two or three years. And I felt alone. I really felt alone. The only one person that I knew that, I knew that was here was my mom. So I think that it's really important to make, you know, things and, and make sure that all the community knows that they're more like us and that we can do it pretty good. Like I say, I didn't know any English at all. And I thought that I was alone, but look at this. Like there, there is amazing people who know English and Spanish and can be a motivation and inspiration for, for everyone. So we need to make sure that all the community Latino knows these people and see like, wait, if they can do it, why I can't? So I think that we can start with that. I think that's a great answer and, and a great point, you know, looking at some of those challenges as as opportunities, you know, to meet with others and, and make those connections. Really, I think people undervalue how important social support is. And, you know, just listening earlier, when you walk into a room, it's just human nature to try and find, OK, where are people who are similar to me? Because that's where I feel safe. That's where I feel comfortable. And taking that moment to kind of bridge that gap and, and create that sense of comfort and being a familiar face or being a friend to someone who, like yourself, Denise, you're walking in and you're like, hey, the only person I know in this world basically is my mom. So when someone takes that extra effort to bridge that gap, it can be a huge deal. So. And also the more easy. Like I was like 18 years old. So I'm 18 years old girl was alone in this world because this is like a new world if you don't know anyone it's a new world yeah. so just think about this and also i was thinking how important it is to 
to make sure that Spanish community into this community. Like this this year, like months ago, my grandma had a stroke. It, I know that wasn't here in Winchester, it wasn't Richmond, but anyone in the hospital was able to speak Spanish. Anyone. So like no one. And I was the only one who had to be there and translate the whole stuff. So just think how much important is that people know that Spanish is also important. We are the second language here that I think that that is important to know. In this kind of situation, what about if no one in my family knew English at all? How can have a good communication between those families are happening a really bad moment? It's important. It's really important. It is. And I think you call out to that, that moment of need, you know, like you were saying, hey, in those emergency moments, you typically realize how important it is in those moments, you know, when when the absence of something is really highlighting how important it is. So. Denise, I got to say, thank you so much for that, that awesome answer. And thank you to everyone um, for, for your all's answers. Again, it's not easy to get this notification and you're like, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to do an online virtual diversity panel with some guy I've never met, come again. Uh, <laughs> so I, I know that can be a, a challenge, but I like to think, you know, like, like you all were saying, <clears throat> this is not perfect and it's not like ideal, but it is our attempt and our first step at increasing that awareness, increasing that education and giving a voice and a face to people that are like, hey, we're here, we're in your community, we, we live and play and, and we're right next to you. And, and this is a little more about us. Kind of takes the mystery away a little bit. Um, so Tina, I'm gonna turn it over to you to, to say a few words to, to wrap us up and then I'll, I'll give our shameless shout outs. <laughs> um, I just want to, again, just thank every single one of you for uh, having your voice heard here today. I think it's uh, definitely a, a, a step in the right direction to help people better understand some of the challenges, but what they can do. And I think you guys offered a lot of solutions today about what people can do to improve the relations between um, the various groups uh, within our community. So thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for um all that you contributed to this conversation. Um, this won't be the end. We'll have a uh, finale kind of wrap up uh, here in the near future. But thank you for everything that you've shared today. And um, I appreciate your time, your talents, and your treasures with, um, with your knowledge here. Have a great afternoon. Yeah, and thank you all so much. And I would also encourage for anyone who was here and they've listened and they've enjoyed what they've heard, make sure you continue to check us out you know, on our social media, on our Facebook and Instagram, also on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel. Check out our website. It's nwprevention.org. Um, and again, we're in the Northwestern Prevention Collaborative. And as Tina so eloquently said, this is not the end. It's the beginning. We're working to get some more work groups together because it's, it's great to hear stories, but it's really nice to weave them together to kind of create solutions that, that work for, for all of us. And that's where our attempt here is to do, um, to come together and figure out just exactly how all of our stories weave together to create our story. So thank you all so much for being here. Tina, thank you for hosting alongside me. I had a great time and we hope that you will tune in next time. Thank you guys. Awesome.